You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Good morning, church. Today is an amazing day in the kingdom of God. It's a day where we all come together to worship the Lord God Almighty, and to have a great time of fellowship with one another. Amen. The title of my charge this morning is Love Your Neighbor as Yourself. And before we move forward, let's bow down our head and pray to the Lord. Father, dear God, dear Dad, Abba, Father, what a joy to be in your presence. Father, to be in your presence with like-minded disciples, with your children, your daughters, your sons, and with all our friends. That, Father, you've given us the pleasure and the privilege to serve this morning. By worshiping you, Father, in songs, in in the floor. Thank you so much for Angelica and the whole team that really, Father, gave us a feast this morning. Lord, right now we're about to hear from you. Oh, Lord, how can a man speak from you, Lord? Just put me aside, Father, let yourself be here, introduce yourself to your people. You know our needs better than ourselves. Father, no one will ever come before you and go back thirsty and hungry. We pray that, Father, your Holy Spirit will heal our wounds, heal our broken hearts, and destroy the barrier of sin that keep us away from you. We were created to worship you. We were created for fellowship. And Father, today's the day that we believe that the gospel is going to hear our hearts. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Brother Michael, for giving me a chance today to uh, share my heart to God's people. Um, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Steve is a great disciple. You already read the scripture, right? So I didn't share this with, with Steve. He's a man of he's a man of prayer. So Mark chapter 12 from 28. We're going to read it again. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Yeah. You, saw, you know our teachers of law are. Oh, they want to trap Jesus everywhere. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the law of God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Yes. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than this. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one and there's no other but him. To love him with all our heart, with all your understanding and with all our strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then, no one dare ask him any question anymore. Amen. Amen. Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, if you spend time with the Lord Jesus and then you get this answer from him, what is the most important commandment in the law? And then, this was not written before. 
There's nowhere in the Bible where those two commandments are links like that. Right? The first part, the greatest commandment that Jesus quoted over here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, is Deuteronomy 6 verse 5. The Jewish people hold this commandment in the highest regards. It is called Shema Israel. Shema in Hebrews means here, is the first word of the commandment. Hear, O Israel. So they have to recite this twice a day, every evening. Every morning before they start their day, they have to go and acknowledge that God needs to be the center of their devotion yeah. and life. So they give their whole heart, soul, strength, mind to God in the morning and in the evenings. And everything else have the leftovers. Yes. So Jesus now pulled this first greatest commandment and had a second one on it. This is the greatest one. And this is the second one who is just like the first one. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those two commandments, if you follow them, then you fulfill the law yeah. and the prophets. Those two commandments are the heart of the law. And Hebrews people have about 600 laws that they have to obey. But Jesus is like, don't worry about naming them, counting them every day so that you can make sure you're close to God. Just sum them up into two basic commandments. If you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and then if you love your neighbor as yourself, then you fulfill the commandment. So me... Entitling my child, love your neighbor as yourself, is not complete. Because now you can't split those two commandments into two parts, right? How do you really love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love God first? Explain to me how this works. Well, if the measure of love is myself, if the measure of love for you, of my love for you is myself, the question I need to ask myself is, do I really know how to love myself? Apart from God, how do I love myself? I mean, look at the way we are living our life outside of the Bible. Look at how people are behaving in society. When you watch the news, are we really, do we really know how to love ourselves? Because if the measure of loving you is to love you as I love myself, then, well, every Friday night in London, I'm going to take my salary, my weekly salary, I'm going to end up in a perp. <laughs> and because I have to love you as I love myself, okay, let's follow me, and we're going to drink until we die. All right? And then we're going to be vomiting every Saturday morning. We're going to fall in our vomits. All right? We're going to live in pornography. Let me take you out for a sex party. We're going to have debauchery, right? Immorality. I'm going to be involved in, you know, sleeping with 15 girls. And then I will take you to do the same with me. Because I cannot love you more than I love myself, right? So it's terrible. God cannot split that command because we don't even know how to love ourselves. I'm going to be smoking marijuana. Then, hey, bro, I love you, Michael. You take a piece of this. Because you can only give what you have. You can only give what you have. So that's why it is not possible to love your neighbor if you don't obey the greatest commandment. 
Where do you learn how to love if you've not been with God? Amen? So if you want to try this to love your neighbor without God, it's going to go like this. First Corinthians chapter 15, uh, 13. It's going to go like this, right? First Corinthians 13. Let's try and see this. Because remember, God is love, right? First Corinthians 13 over here from 4. All right, we're going to try to love people without God. Yes. Just to be like a charitable organization, you know, loving the orphans, loving people. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Verse 4, love is patient. Now, love is God. So if you have to love people as yourself without God, it's going to look like this. Love is not patient. That's the way we are with one another, right? Love is not kind. We are not kind to one another. I mean, people run on you, you know, people walk on your toes in the tube station, but nobody says sorrow. Sorry. Right? Love, love, envy. We are envious, right? We look at other people, we want to to have what they have. And when we can't have it, we curse them and we, 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 we just kill them to have what they have. Love does not boast, but love boasts. Without God, we're all boasting. Look at what I have. Look at my degrees. Love is proud. Love is rude. Love is self-seeking. What about that? It's more about me. How can you love somebody else when everything is all about you? And people are thinking, why is it that my marriage is not working? Because it's all about you. Why is it that I can't raise my kids properly? Because it's all about you. Why is it that our countries, our societies are doing so poor? It's all about us. Because without God, we are all self-seeking. That's right. We are easily angered. We keep records of wrongs, right? We don't forgive. That's why we can't love without God, because we don't know how to forgive. We're holding grudges for 25 years, 30 years until we die. Love the light in evil. We like darkness, but we don't rejoice with the truth. We don't protect, we don't trust, we don't hope, we don't persevere. That's all I, we are always depressed. Because we cannot love apart from God. Amen? So number one this morning, where do you start if you want to love your neighbor? Number one, love the Lord your God with all yourself. You start there. Love the Lord your God completely. And you have four specific areas right here that you need to engage to make sure you really love God and obey the the first greatest commandment. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart. What does that mean? How do you love God with all your heart? Well, the heart contains powerful emotions. The heart is where you have your affections and your desires birth. Affections, emotions, desires come from your heart. And your affections are the deep currents that determine that guides your life. To determine where our affections actually lie, we have to discern what occupies your days, what occupies your time, what motivates your action, what shapes your hopes will tell you exactly where your affections goes. Amen? And some of us, we love the world. Our affections goes to worldly things. 
First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. The Bible said, don't love the world, right? Our affections are right there, just look, they're like a current that just wait to be captured and tamed. And wherever you find your affections is where your heart will be. And your affections determine your devotion. What you love determine what you like. Amen? So your affections will follow what you treasure. That's what I'm trying to say. Amen? Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So if your affections are on money, guess what? Where's your heart going to be? It's going to be chasing money. You're going to sacrifice your marriage, any other relationship in your life, your children, for the sake of money. Whatever is your treasure will draw your heart to it. Jesus gave them the answer over here for the first question. So, your heart loves what you treasure. What do you treasure this morning? If you want to understand where you're getting all your heart to involve in, then you have to find out what is your treasure on earth. What's the one thing for, for which you are ready to die? Why are you working so hard? Waking up so early and go back tonight so late. What, what are you toiling so hard? What is your treasure in life? That's where your heart is going to be. Yes. You see, you can fake church. You can come to church. You can open the Bible. You can come and worship us on Sundays and still have your treasure outside of God's kingdom. Amen. You, know, you see, it's not where you are physically. It's where your heart is. Yes. So you can be here without your hearts. Yes. Then it doesn't matter how long you are here in front of God. You can come to worship. But as long as your treasure is outside God's kingdom, then that's where your heart is going to be. So we have to check our heart this morning. Where is your treasure? Amen? Number two. If you succeeded in loving God with all your heart, then number two, you got to love God with all your what? Of your soul. What does that mean? While loving God with all your heart has to do with your affection, loving the Lord with all your soul is different. It has to do with your devotion. Amen? So, your soul is literally the part of you that, dis- that defines who you are. Your soul is your identity as a human being. We are more than 7 billion people on the planet, but we don't have two persons having the same personality, the same identity. We are all unique and different. Right? So, your soul is what defines your personality, who you are. It is where you make your decisions and choices for life. That's your soul. Right? Because as a particular individual, you make your own choices and you make decisions for your life. No matter what the preachers preach, you're still in charge of making your decisions for your life. You're still in charge of making your choices. That's your soul, amen? That's where you make your decisions, your choices, and that's where ultimately your lifestyle and behavior and destiny are shaped in your soul. In other sense, your soul is the core you. Who you really are is your soul. So to love God with all your souls means you got to love him in the way you live. You got to love God in the choices you make. That means all the choices of your life needs to be God-centered, not self-centered. Amen? 
So you're going to be making godly choices. How do I know what you love with all your soul? I just have to see how you spend your money. But I can tell you. How do you spend your money? I can tell you who you really love with all your soul. What do you do with your time? I can tell you what you love with all your soul. Amen? What kind of things do you read? It tells a lot about your personality and your identity. Yeah. When you ride a tube in London, I love this culture very much because people always read books in tubes. So if I want to know you, I read that the title of the books you are reading. I don't need to engage in a conversation. I just want to know what you are craving for. Then I just read the title. And then I go, oh, wow, this guy. How to become a millionaire. Oh, all right, I understand. You know how to get involved in drunkenness. Good. I just read the title of the book, and I read your own title, right? That's how you do it. What type of program do you watch on TV? Tells a lot about your soul. Amen? What kind of friend do you have? Because we say, no, we love God. You ask every church goer, do you love God? Oh, yeah, we love God. I love God. Oh, me? I was born in a Christian family. How can you even ask me that kind of question? I love God. It's so obvious. Then now I'm looking at you, what you're reading. You never read the Bible, really. You don't even know where is the book of John in the Bible. But you've been going to church for for 30 years. But you're not reading the Bible. What kind of programs are you watching? As soon as you get back home, you put that TV on. American Idol. That's exactly what you are, right? You're you're an idolatrous guy right there, right? American Idol. English has talent. Yeah, that's what you're watching. Uh-huh. I know, you see, yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Your choices will determine what your soul is after. So the Bible says in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you obey what I command. You see, obeying God's command has nothing to do with your feelings first. Because you can still be obedient even though you don't feel like it. That's your soul, amen? So love must be demonstrated. So the second part of this commandment is vital. Because sometimes we are not going to feel like loving God, but we have to love God nonetheless. I've been in a covenant with my wife for 18 years. We've been married for 18 years. Every day is not the same. In my marriage, you have the sunshines, and then you have the windy clouds of London. It depends. Day changes. But guess what? When sun is shining in my marriage, I love my wife. When we are going through clouds, I don't love you anymore. We're going to divorce. Is that the way you act? And then we get married when someone comes back. Is that what you do? No, because there's a covenant of love between her and me. No matter how we feel, we're still protecting the covenant and the marriage. There's your love for God with your soul. No matter what you're going through, God is still number one in your life. You still obey his commands no matter how you feel. Number three, how do you love God with all your mind? It's very important to love God with all your mind. You see, all these are describing your personality. Your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Very important scriptures over here, right? We need to love God with all our mind. Verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. 
is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen? It's very important. You can be baptized without renewing your mind. You see, it's, 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 there are two different things right here, right? It's not speaking to non-Christians. Yes. You see that right here? These scriptures was not written to non-Christians. It's written to disciples. Mm. Some of them have been disciples for 20 years, 10 years, 5 years, you know, 15 years. Now comes Paul, and he says, guys, look at this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That means you have people in the church that were still thinking like in the world. Mm. Yes. Do not confirm any longer to the pattern of this world. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, renewing your mind is a decision you make yourself. You make a decision to think like God. Yes. It doesn't just happen when you're baptized. You make a decision that your thought process is going to be connected to God's thought process. Yes. And then he says, if you renew your mind, then you're going to be able to know what God's will, God will is. Mm. That means you can be a disciple without knowing what is God's will for your life because you never renew your mind. You're still thinking like in the world, right? Mm. So you have to change your mindset. The major part of being transformed into the image and the likeness of Christ requires a renewal of mind. It is a big deal. You know why? Because much of our life is lived in our minds. Yeah. You know that? Because you can never turn your minds off. You go to bed at night, guess what? Your body sleeps, but your mind is still wandering around. That's actually the best part. When you're sleeping, then your minds are like, oh, right, freedom. And then they're flying to Indonesia, to Philippines, and all kind of dreams, right? Your mind, very creative there, right? You're fighting with dragons, nightmares, and all kind of stuff. You know, you're flying in the air. If you're like me, right? I love those dreams where you're flying above all the buildings in London. You're flying like a bird. Everybody's like, whoa, what's going on? And then you only wake up in the morning to find out that you're trapped in that stratford room, bedroom there, you know? Turn your minds off. And look, and the language of your, of your minds are images. All kind of images going on in your mind. You see? And that's why we struggle with our mind. Yes. We go to the doctor. Doctor, I'm struggling. This mind, I can't tame it. I can't capture it. I can't, I can't make sure I just control it. What's going on? Your mind will just keep going everywhere if you don't tame them. Right? So to love God with all your mind is to really engage your imagination. Being creative, filling your mind with the word of God. Yes. Then now you can have them under control. You can think like Jesus. You see, the Lord created us this way for ceaseless communion with him. Why is it that our mind cannot have any rest? Because the Bible commands you to always pray without cease. You see, pray without cease does not engage your body. Actually, your body doesn't pray, but your mind can pray without cease because your mind never sleeps. What are you thinking on a daily basis? Who determine who you are before God? What's going on in your mind? Are you indulging in negative thoughts? That's how you have to renew your mind. Instead of letting all this negative, pitiful thoughts, you know, controlling you, you are nothing, you are stupid, you're not smart, you're not clever, you're going to die in two days. All this stuff your mind is telling you, you know what? You've been feeding your mind with rubbish. With 
this world system. Everything you are watching on TV, all the books you are reading, all those crazy books. There are no values, no spiritual values, no boundaries anymore. Everyone can do as he see fit. Then no man is going to go wild. Don't complain. When you take that freedom in a day to do whatever you want to do, your mind goes, thank you so much for giving me the permission to go to hell. Then now you're going to leave hell in your mind. No matter what amount of money you have in your pocket, no matter what your social status, if you can't control your mind, you'll never have a great life. Amen? That's why you need to replace all these thoughts from the past by the promises from the Bible. By God's word, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and all other things will be given unto you. Amen? That's awesome. Then you put that, you memorize that, yeah? And then there's going to be a fact now in your mind. When you, every time you get a new promise from God into your mind, then you have to kick out right. 10 other yes. false promises from the devil. Yeah. If you stay in that relationship with your girlfriend, you're going to be happy. But you've been trying that for years, right? Yeah, you've been, you've been living in morality for 35 years, 40 years. Are you really fulfilled? Those promises are lies from the devil. But every time you take a new promise from God and then you kick them out, then you establish a new thought pattern coming from heaven. Then your, your mind will determine your actions. Amen. So we got to really think like the Bible says. So your mind needs to be totally and completely sold out for God. Are you for that? Psalm 62 verse 6. David himself. Now you can understand the scriptures from Psalm uh, 63 verse 6. Look at David. How you can really worship God with your mind. I love this scripture. This is one of my best in the Bible. Verse 6. It says, uh, look at that. On my bed, I remember you. Yes. What do you do on your bed? Do you remember God? <laughs> I think of you through the watches of the night. Is he sleeping, this guy? Yeah, his body is resting, but his mind is captured by his love for God. Yes. Amen? Instead of thinking about anything else that's going to destroy his life, he's thinking about God, the angels, heaven, righteousness, how God is so sweet. What are you thinking on your bed when you go to bed at night? So you can do that. You got to engage your reason. Yes. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now and let us reason together. You use your mind to know God. Love God with all your mind means you got to reason with God. You can reason. Talk to God. Read the Bible. If you're not sure of what you're reading, come back again. Pray. Ask somebody who's godly to give you an explanation. But you got to reason before you believe. You can't just believe without knowing why you're believing what you're believing. You're not a robot, amen? God wants your reason to be engaged. He said, come and reason with me. Says the Lord. And to reason is to think, is to understand and form your own judgment by a process of logic. You see, when you reason, and then you understand, and you form judgment, then you build conviction, personal, solid, strong convictions. Are you living on your own convictions, or are you living on other people's convictions? Why do you believe Jesus Lord? Because somebody said so? Because the preacher said so? Because the church believes it? Or because you have formed your own conviction about that? That's why some of us, we cannot go away for two days. We're going to fall away. <laughs> because you are under spiritual assistance every day. Right? 
Somebody else needs to think for you. It's not, they're not your, giving to God is not your conviction. It's the conviction of the church. That's why while you're here, then you hear the conviction of the church and then you give. But when you give, go away for two days, you forget about giving to God. Right? You go to Birmingham and then you don't know if you're a disciple anymore. He just stayed traveling outside of London for 35 minutes outside of London and you don't know if you're a disciple anymore. He just takes spending one day at work without seeing a disciple, without calling somebody, and then you're falling away. Why? Because you have not formed your own conviction about what God says. What about if you're on the island alone? You're going to start a church? You're going to do something. Be strong. Use your reason. You need to have knowledge. You have to use your memory. You have to memorize scriptures. You have to remember the goodness of God in your life. Then your mind is going to be engaged. And lastly, you have to love God with all your strength. I don't have to spend time on this one. It's easy. That means love God with all you got. All your resources. All your abilities. All your talents. I mean, some of us, when we go out and then we are walking where we're walking, we have a lot of qualities and talents that we display there. And our bosses, people working for us, they're amazed by how sharp and clever we are. They're like, wow. And then you're working for BMW. You're working for Coca-Cola and Pepsi. Man, you're bright over there. You're leading 25, 50 people in one department. And you're cranking your job, right? You're having raised bonuses. You're sharp. But when you come to church... You can't even lead two people. You just sit at the back. You're nobody in the church. But when you go back to work, you're the guy in charge. It tells a lot about where you're pulling, you're putting all your strengths. Are you using your abilities and talents for God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Look at that. This is challenging. When I read this, I feel challenged. I feel, wow, how do you do that? But you see, it's a growing process. Don't be overwhelmed. We all can get there. If God says so, then we can do it. God will never ask you anything that you cannot do. You say amen. And it is a command. It's not a suggestion. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind first. That means if you fail to obey that number one, everything else you're doing for God is zero. Because you didn't start at the starting point. We, need, we all need to grow in that. Amen? Yes. yes, look at Moses. I don't have time to go through this. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses yeah. is one of the examples of the Bible of somebody who loves God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. What does he want from God? He said, God, show me your glory. Amen. Teach me your ways. Yeah. Right? If you favor me, Lord, don't send an angel with me. Come with me. If you can't come with me, don't send me. I need your presence. Lord, I, always, I only have an identity when you walk with me. I want to know your glory. Amen. This scripture is amazing. God was so surprised. That's the first time a human being ever had this kind of prayer to God. Most of the time, what do we ask in our prayers? Give me money. Lord, a lot of money, Lord. I want to be rich like Bill Gates. Right? God, do miracles. Everything is possible to whoever has faith. Give me money. That's what we do, right? Give me a retiring home. Lord, give me a wife. 
a great wife. Then I will serve you. That's what we say, right? Oh, Lord, if you give me a great husband, I will do everything for you. Right? Oh, Lord, heal me. It's always about give me, give me, give me, give me. Now, here you have these guys, Moses. God is expecting to hear one of this selfish prayer. What do you want, Moses? Show me your glory. What? Nobody has ever asked that in the whole Bible. You know what does that mean? Glory in Greek means doxa. Doxa is the essence of God, the substance of God. What is he requesting for? Show me yourself. Let me see you. God is like, what? Moses, I appreciate your zeal. No human being can see me and leave, right? If I really show my face to you, you're going to die right now. I don't want you to die. You still have a lot to accomplish, right? But, but, but this is so, you touch my heart. Come on, please. I'm going to keep you right here in the rock, in the cleft right here, right? And cover you with my hands. But you are so cute, man. You're charming. You really seduce my heart. All right? I will pass, and then I cover your eyes. Close your eyes. Don't do like this. Close your eyes. And then when I pass, I'm going to show you my back. Put yourself in Moses' shoes. And then he hears, Moses like, and then, now you can look. I wonder what you see. What he saw that day. I can't wait to see Moses in heaven. I asked him, what did you see that back? Can you imagine God showing you his back? I don't know what he see. Is it big like an elephant? Is it like a dinosaur? What did he see? He's so part of glory, God's glory. God says, I'm going to show you my goodness, my mercy, my kindness. What an intimacy of the Lord. You need to get to that point before you serve other people. Right? And if you're not there, you can grow like Gideon. Gideon did not know God. Let's go in Judges chapter 6. Are you still there, guys? Let's go in Judges Judges chapter 6 over here. Gideon, look at this guy over here. Gideon, Judges chapter 6. He did not really know God. But you can grow in your knowledge of God. Yes. You say amen. Yes. You can be closer to God day after day if you keep exercising. Then look at here in chapter 6. Gideon, the Lord showed himself to Gideon over here. Look. Um, verse. Let's start in verse um, 10. Uh, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. Start down the hook. Yes. Uh, verse 11, to keep it short. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abbey's right, where his son Gideon was threshing weight and wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warriors. First encounter here with God. You, you have to start somewhere, right? And then Gideon said, But sir, Gideon replied, You know the f- his first knowledge of God? was calling God, sir. God came to him and he was like, hey, sir, how you doing? That was God. But the only you God are sir. So you can't call him a name that has nothing to do with the depth of your relationship with him. Say, hey, sir. And then Lord says, if the Lord is with us, 
Gideon says, why has this all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, you see, God is very patient. You can start calling him our sir. You read your Bible. Even if you have to call God sir, just start there. Hey, sir, all right? Keep talking to God. And then your knowledge of God will get better. Amen? And then go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I'm not sending you. Verse 15. You see what? By communion, by fellowshipping with God, his knowledge of God grew deeper. Now, he didn't say sir. What did he say? But Lord... Oh, wow, from sir to Lord, there's a progress there, right? You can go from a shallow knowledge of God to a deeper knowledge of God, right? Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And they kept talking. They kept talking. Verse uh, 16, the Lord answered, I'll be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied in verse, uh, we can see in verse, verse 20, and the angel of God said to him, and then Gideon did so. Where else did he name God? You can see over here. Verse 22. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord. You see how long it took him to realize that it was God? But he did not give up. And God did not give up on him, right? So he said, Ha, sovereign Lord. From sir to Lord to sovereign Lord. Wow, he's growing deeper there, right? And then... I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now he knows that he's getting an encounter with God. But they kept talking. We don't have time. And then you see at the end over there what's going to happen. Now God is going to become really personal to Gideon. You can see in verse... Um, Joshua sprung, he must die over Jordan. Uh, what is that? What is that? I saw it. I saw it somewhere. What did I do? Carefully sacrifice. Build an altar over there, right? Verse 23. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it what? The Lord is peace. Nobody has ever called God that name. In the Bible, a part of Gideon. It went from not knowing God, it started an encounter of God. You can start a baptism, you can become a disciple, you can study the Bible, you can get baptized. Then you have to get deeper in your knowledge of God, right? And then from sir, you go to Lord. Oh, wow, you're discovering God better. And then from Lord, you can go to sovereign Lord. And then now, if you keep growing in your relationship with God, it doesn't take one day. You get there where you can call God a personal name. The Lord is peace. Yahweh Shalom. That's a name. That's a personal name. But this comes only with a practice and fighting, struggling, resting with God. Don't give up. Move on. Go deeper to obey the first commandment. And I've been a disciple for 23 years. I tell you guys, it's never a very pleasurable, kind, quiet journey working with God. Actually, you go through some stuff. Yeah. 23 years. I was baptized when I was 24 years old. In March, I'm going to be 24 years old as a Christian. That means I will live enough time as a Christian I have been as a non-Christian. 24 years old, 24 years. So I'm 48. Number one, this is possible. Amen? You don't want to be a Christian for one week. That means you're not growing your relationship with God. 
You're not converted to the church. You're converted to Christ. You can't be there only for two years and people are wondering, is he going to stay? What do you mean going to stay? You can't walk in the kingdom of God to go out. You're there forever. 24 years. But ups and downs, mountains and valleys. Because God always trains you through hardship, through struggles, right? That's how he builds your character to help you to be strong. Yeah, I've been through a lot. In 24 years. I've known God with the names of great figures in the Bible. But there came a time in a very terrible hardship during the civil war in Africa where I had to know God personally to save my life, save my kids, save my wife. You can't just pray in those times. Calling God the names of other people you used to call God with. You got to make God personal. And I was digging, I was, Lord, how do I call? I need a miracle. I need a wonder. What will be your new name if you are a wonder, miracle, walking God? How can you take me out of here? And I was searching the God of wonders. Is there a name in the Bible, God of wonders? No. You know what? I went on the internet. I wrote to somebody in Israel, a rabbi. How do you say God of wonders in Hebrew? And they replied to me, say, El Anafla Ot. And I was crying. I went to God. I said, El Anifla Hot. You are my God. And I need a miracle to get me out of here. And God did. That's why I'm here. Right? So you gotta keep growing. It's a growing process. Don't look back. Don't go back. Keep learning your lessons. Keep moving deeper in your obedience to the first commandment. Now, if you are growing deeper in the first commandment, number two. Now you will know how to love your neighbor as yourself. You see? Because number two, loving your neighbor as yourself, the measure of your love for others will never be yourself actually. But what he's saying over here is Galatians 2 verse 22. You know what Paul says there? The life I'm living now in the flesh is not me living anymore. When you're sold out for God, then Jesus is the master of your heart. Right? You do everything in reference to Jesus. So if Jesus is living in me, if Jesus is ruling my heart, if Jesus is ruling my soul, my strength, my mind, guess what? When I turn to you now, how do I love you? I can only love you the way Jesus loves you. Because Jesus is the one ruling in me. Amen? That's why I say in John chapter 13, verse 34, I give you a new command. Love your brother as I have loved you. The measure of your love for others will never be your selfish nature. It's going to be your relationship with God. How does Jesus love people? Then you can turn to your neighbor and love him the same way. So guess what? God's love for other people is always built on a perspective, an eternal perspective. God always has an eternal perspective in loving other people. He doesn't love people just to give them food and bread. Right? John 3 verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave what? So that whoever believes in him has eternal life. God is about loving you into eternal life. No matter what it takes. You have to probably go through hardship so that your pride can be broken, so that you can learn how to surrender to him. God will do whatever it takes to take you to heaven. That is showing love. He doesn't love you just because you need bread. He want to love you to heaven. Because what good it is for God to give you bread and then having you lose your soul. If you don't go to heaven at the end, tell me. 
the miracles that God will perform in your life, what are they going to do to you if you're going to end up going to hell? Let's say you were a leper, you were a leper, and God healed you. Now you're going to go to hell with a clean skin. Let's say you were blind. Lord, just love me and heal my eyes so that I can see. Now you're going to go to hell, eyes wide open. It's probably better to go there without saying it, right? Yeah. Yeah. What about if you were crippled? God, if you don't give me new legs, I can't love you. If you don't give me new legs, I can't love you. It's better that it takes you to heaven. Because you might have those legs, and then they will take you to practice wicked stuff, and then you will walk and jump into hell. You see that? So God wants to give us good things in this life. But he has always an eternal perspective attached to his love. Amen? So we need to love people with the gospel. In that sense, evangelism is an act of loving your neighbor. Because you are serving him what? Eternal life. Do you see evangelism as a lack of love? Yeah. Even when we give food to people, we are giving food to people to attract their heart to God who can save them. Amen. We don't love like the charitable organization that go to India, Haiti to just give food like that. Disciples do it to win people's souls. Amen. Eternal perspective. And honestly, I've been the subject of that love. Where people love me because they care for my soul. Actually, when you love people because you care for their soul, it doesn't matter if you know them or not. It doesn't matter if they are from the same culture or not. Because in heaven, we only have one culture, one race. There's going to be no white, no black, no Indian, no American, no English, no African. We're going to be all like angels, right? So when you love people with a terrible perspective, you love them even if you don't know them. And we had a terrible civil war in Abidjan, and I had to leave that country. I was leading a big church, 2,200 members, serving in 14 countries. I had my life. I was leading a great foundation there with four cars, a lot of computers, people walking under me, and building you know, a great house. 2,000 people can worship there, offices everywhere. And then the civil war came. But we lost everything in one day. One day. And I couldn't, I was not even there. I mean, all those things that you're building would not protect you when trials come, right? right? So I was not even home when that started. And then my kids and my wife, those are the most important people in my life. I was stuck in the airport in Abidjan and I couldn't go home. And they were there struggling and I still have a lot of credits in my, in my cell phone to call them. And my wife is like, honey, where are you? I'm in the airport. No, why did you come back? The civil war. They're going into houses, home, raping, killing ladies and girls. Don't come. And I said, I can't even come. There's no taxi. There's no way to come back home. And I'm thinking, I'm going to die. My wife is going to die. And my kids are going to die. Couldn't hold that thought. I was like, what? And we had to run from the airport to save our own life. We're running, running. And then we found a shelter somewhere. We're about 26 people in that house trying to survive the civil war. And I'm thinking in my head, it's going to last only two days. And they're shooting, bombing. And I'm calling, are you guys okay? They're like, Dad, are you okay? And then my daughter's like, Dad, where are you? And then my son is like, come back home now. Dad, we need you. Come back. 
It is so hard to hear your children's voice begging for you to come and protect them, and you can't do it. Dad, are you coming back home? I went, here I'm coming. When? Uh, as soon as things get calmer, and then I can find a taxi, come down. Next day, I'm praying, Lord, please don't do that. Please don't kill my people. Please help me. Help us. Two days, three days, four days, five days, six days. No food anymore. No clean water anymore. Now people are behaving like wild dogs. Because it's a matter of survival now. Whatever you have, people want to take it. There's no law. There's no police. There's no hospital to go to. Right? So we are living in a jungle now. One orange, ten pounds. People are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Six days, seven days. I'm fainting already. I couldn't stand. I'm like, Lord, I need to go home. And I woke up one day on the seventh morning. I told the people in the room, I'm going. They're like, you're crazy. Say, I am going. They say, you can't. Please stay. They're going to kill you. Then I surrendered to them. Eight days, nine days, ten days, eleven days. I was fainting already. And I said, okay, guys, I don't even want to tell you anymore. I'm leaving. Pray for me. And then I went, I walked out of that place. I said, Lord, I'm going to go home. If you have to kill me, kill me. Now, by the seventh day, no communication anymore because I had no credit in my cell phone. So I don't know what happened to Patricia and to the kids. So I'm walking in the street and I'm hearing, boom, 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 boom. I'm praising God. I'm singing, I'm going. And then a young man came with me. Oh, sir, where are you going to? I'm going to go with you. I want to cross to go to that side. Let's walk together. We're walking. Boom, boom, crazy stuff. Don't look, don't look. Let's just go. Let's just go. I'm thinking a bullet is going to take me in the head. But it's better to die trying to go back home. I don't even know if they're still alive. And I'm walking. And then because I'm a French citizen, I'm thinking if I can walk up to the French army base, they will rescue me and rescue my family. But how do you get there? It was about five kilometers from where I was going. I was living. So I walked. 500 meters before the French army base. You could even hear the flies of ants or anything. It was so quiet. All of a sudden, people came out of the bushes with masks, with machetes. Hey, you two, come here. Come now. Oh, what's going on? You come over here. Where are you from? And actually, the civil war right there was between the northern part of the country, people who were Muslim, against the Christianized part of the country in the south. And the French army was supporting the people from the north. All right? So here am I. I have a French pass. And this guy who followed me is from the north. And those guys coming out of the bush, they are militia from the southern part of the country. So whoever is coming from the north and is French, they will choke you with machetes. So I came. And I said, we start with this young man talking to the other guy. Show your ID. He shows his ID. You from the north. As he did this to cut that guy, I fell down before them like, please don't do that. I don't even know why I did that. Please. They're like, who are you? Who are you? Show your ID now. And I'm thinking, this guy's from the north. I'm French. Quick. And their friends are like, cut him quickly. Let's finish. And I pull out my ID and I'm praying, Lord, this is the end. And then all my life came in front of me. Patricia, the kids, and I surrendered. He took my ID and I'm waiting for the matches to go on my neck. 
I'm waiting. I don't see anything. And then I did like this. This guy was like this. He's looking at the ID. <laughs> Where are you from? I am from Cameroon. He says, he didn't see that? That ID said French citizen. He didn't see it. What happened? I'm from Cameroon. You're from Cameroon? Oh, Cameroon. Actually, people from Cameroon, the government is supporting us. So Cameroonians are our friends. <laughs> this guy, you're safe because of this guy. Now, walk away. Man, I've never run like that in my life. I run like, I run like. <laughs> Brother Michael, how do you call this guy from Jamaica? Pushing boat? They say, run from here. Man, I took off 500 meters. I did that maybe in five seconds. I was flying. I went to the gate of the French army. Come. Who are you? I'm French. I'm French. I'm not coming anymore. I'm French. French boss. Get in. They took me in. And then I started crying. Oh, they're like, what's going on? Just calm down. My wife, my kids, where are they? They're over there on the other side, behind the presidential palace. They, maybe they're dead. Can you do something? Can you do something? Finally, tanks, army tanks, took my wife and kids and broke them to the army barrack. And then we flew out of the country. We landed in France. Here we are in France. What do you do in France? I never planned to go back and leave there. And then... I've been a disciple for so long. The former fellowship fell apart, destroyed by jealousy and pride. We didn't want to surrender to God anymore. And I'm thinking, I need God's kingdom. Where do I go? That's how I call Cape. And I said, remember that phone call. When I called Cape, the first person that called me was Michael. And we talked for about 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And I was like, wow, this brother is so loving and caring. He, don't, he doesn't even know me. But we're talking like friends forever. Then he said, can you come to London? And I told my wife, you know what? He's very gentle. He wants us to come there. He doesn't even know us. Then things walk out, and then we landed over here. And I got to know you. And we got out of fire. You receive us with a lot of sacrifice you gave your heart and you're not very rich you don't have enough I've been seeing the level of sacrifice of London church just to keep us right here this is amazing love you love me so much you love our family so much this is our city of refuge we're coming out of fire and you rescue us Michael and we really want to express our gratitude today and as we are about to go to L.A., I want you guys to know I will be forever a Londoner. I will be part of this church forever because this is my true family in Christ. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We will be eternally grateful for that love. And I build some French, great friendship. Michael and I will be friends forever. Bro, no matter where I live on this planet, we'll be close. Promise. I saw that love through you guys, people from the East, yeah. Oliver, you know, in, 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 in the world, lawyers work with lawyers. Lawyers don't work with plumbers. <laughs> but in the kingdom of God, no matter what is your status, 
We are all one in Christ. Yes. All of us in Egypt, you're going to be all forever in our hearts. Michael Oshua, Steve, Fraser, George, and Angelica. I mean, I can name all of you in the room. Thank you so much for your love. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the only reason you've, you've done that, giving contribution to put us, to keep us here, is because you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one